Thanks so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and email us your story up at collegeparkchurch.org. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers in the house. Where you at? Come on, get your fists up in the air. Let me see you. Let me see you. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, I need just you guys to do one real quick thing for me before we get started. I need everyone except for the fathers to stand. Everyone except for the fathers to stand. We did this for the mothers. Now we're going to do this for our fathers in the house. Can you put your hands together and give your fathers a hand clap of praise? Come on, y'all can do better than that. smiling this morning. You may be seated. I'm smiling for several reasons this morning because this is my first Father's Day at CPC. My first Father's Day here. My first Father's Day here. For those that are visiting with us for the first time, if you don't know who I am, uh, the associate pastor here, Pastor Blake and my wife, we're associate pastors here, or should I say executive pastor, um, to be politically correct. And uh, on behalf of our senior pastor, Pastor Mark uh, and his wife, um, they are away at camp serving. Um, what an awesome, awesome couple and a man of God to um, take the time out to serve as Jesus came to serve. Uh, he's away serving. So can we give our pastor and his wife a hand clap of praise this morning in their absence? Continue to pray for them. Continue to lift them up. And as you can see, I got my, my Father's Day gift so you can read that if you, if you will. The rules for dating, and it should say daughters because I got two. I got my youngest daughter with me this morning, my, uh, my wife and my uh, oldest daughter. They're away serving as well at the other camp. But uh, these are the rules. So if you don't know, now you know. You don't have to ask nobody. You don't have to go around and. Put it on a card, and I've got it displayed for you right there. Just don't. But I'm excited this morning. I know God has given me a word to share with you, and I want to share with you briefly. Um, the title of my message this morning is Defying the Urge to Quit. Defying the Urge to Quit. There are many obstacles, there's many things that come in our life that will cause us to try and get us to quit. There are things that come up against us that will try to get us to quit. There's things that are knowing and unbeknowing that will try to get us to quit. I'm talking to our fathers this morning, uh, defying the urge to quit. Now, uh, you ladies in the house, I want you to grasp this message as well because this is not just for the men, but um, I'm kind of um, singling out the men this morning. Amen? But this message, is, this message uh, touches the heart of every single individual that is in this house this morning because we have all experienced a time in our life where we have wanted to quit. We have wanted to stop. We've wanted to give in. We've wanted to throw in the towel. You know, I never really understood the significance of keeping one foot in front of the other, taking one step at a time 
until I've been going through this process in Columbia uh, to become a public servant. And I never realized when things don't go your way, when things happen, I had a setback. And, and I wasn't going to share this story, but the Holy Spirit is leading me to share it with you. And, and so I had a setback earlier in the, in the year. And for the first time in a long time, I, I, I felt the, the desire or the passion, uh, the, the, the urge, the zeal to leave me in a time during this process. And so I put on the face when I would come in this building, and, 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 and little did you know, I was, I was struggling. I was, I was down. I was depressed. Uh, my wife, my children didn't even recognize me. They didn't recognize me. They didn't know who I was. Uh, my wife began to try to encourage me, but because of the setback, because of the thing that, that took place, I... I was on the track to try and finish uh, at the academy at a specific time, and, and uh, I didn't do as well as I was anticipating on one of the tests, and so I got sent home. And for a man, and I'm just speaking to the men, but as a man, that's demeaning. For a man, it's degrading. I'm just, I'm just telling you because I'm a man. So, women, you might not, you might not can, 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 can grasp that. But as a man, when you have a setback, when, when you can't provide for your home, and it's not to say that I wasn't providing for my home, but, but there are times when, when a man feels like he can't provide for his home, when he is not just adding up uh, to the task, when things seem to not just be coming together as he has anticipated, it does something to a man. Because, see, God had designed us to, to be the, the head of the home. He has designed us to, to be the breadwinner. He has designed us to be uh, the, the, the strong man in the home. And when a man cannot fulfill those obligations, when a man cannot fulfill that role, it does something to him. It sets him back. Further than, than women can understand, it does something to the morale of that man. I'm talking about defying the urge to quit. And so when that man is, is, is downtrodden, when, when, when things doesn't seem to go his way, he falls into an area and a space where he thinks, begins to think less of himself. When he begins to find himself feeling unworthy, when he finds himself beginning to feel like, you know, Maybe, just maybe, my family would be better off without me. I'm just, I'm just being real. Maybe, just maybe, if I can just go hide away in a corner somewhere, nobody will look for me. Nobody will need me. Nobody will call out for me. Defying the urge to quit. And it takes something much deeper on the inside than we can grasp, than we can recognize to move us forward to push us past that area, and his name is Jesus. And so it wasn't until in this time, in this period in my life, where I find myself needing the Lord more than ever before. And so I wanna, what I want to relay to you men is when you're in this area, when you're in that area, that is not the time to tuck tail and run away. That is not the time to throw in the towel. 
See, God has given both mother and father a role to play in this thing called life. But as a father, there's a greater price that comes with your role. I need you to catch this. There's a greater price that comes with your role. See, when you look back in the Bible in Genesis and things begin to unfold, yes, we know the story of Adam and Eve, and yes, we know that Eve, yes, she did her part. But see, what we fail to realize and what we fail to recognize is that the fact is Satan's whole game, his whole plan wasn't Eve. Y'all need to catch this. His whole plan wasn't Eve. He didn't set his mind towards Eve. She was just a pawn in the whole scheme of things. She was just, she just happened to be in the way of what Satan had a greater plan for. See, he didn't want Eve. He didn't even desire Eve. But his main focus was the man. The seed. See, I was, I was sitting there this morning... And, and I was looking through my notes, and the Holy Spirit just kind of just dropped this on me. And I didn't see it until this morning. See, a garden is just an empty field or spread of dirt. Think about it. When you go out and you go to till the ground, what you see is just empty dirt. Come on. What you see is just the lay of the land. There's no life there yet. But until the seed drops, life springs forth. Come on. Until the seed drops, you have a harvest. Until the seed drops, now you've got a garden. And so when Satan set out in the garden, he didn't set out for the woman. He set out for the seed. Because he knew if he could stop the seed, he could stop the harvest. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there. He knew if he could stop the seed, he could stop the harvest. Men, you have no idea the role that God has placed you in. You have no idea the dangers that lurk about for you. You have no idea how much the enemy has been desiring you. You have no idea of the dangers that lurk at the night for you. Listen to this. Fathers, you have been given this dangerous role, a life-threatening role. Your head is always on the chopping block. It has been through time our arch enemy has been seeking your very life. As a father, you've been asked to lay down your life. You need to catch this this morning. As a father, you've been, you've been called to lay down your life. Lay down your life for who? Your wife. Whom God has called you to love as Christ loved the church to lay down your life. God has also called you to lay down your life for your children. To teach them. Protect them. God has also called you to lay down your life for your friends. Scripture tells us there's no greater love than a man that would lay his life down for a friend. I never really understood what police officers go through. Now, we've seen the news 
we've seen all kinds of things. And yes, there's some good ones, there's some bad ones. But I never really fully understood what they go through and the things that run through their mind and the dangers that are consistently. Now listen, I'm not talking about sometimes. I'm talking about consistently, always at the door. And so, fathers, your role is just as a police officer. The dangers constantly lurking for your family. The dangers constantly lurking for you. And so, when I finally realized what that public servant, what that police officer has to go up against on a day-to-day basis, he is called to lay his life down for people he don't even know. Huh? How many of us has laid their lives down for somebody you don't know? How many of us have laid on our faces and prayed and cried out for somebody you don't even know? But yet these individuals that we see on the highway that are dressed in their attire, in their uniform, and they get up in the morning and they stay up all night just to protect us, cover us and keep us. So as a father... So as a father, he finds himself laying awake at night, making sure that the doors are locked and no strangers enter in his home. I remember one time we went camping, and uh, true story, and we were up in uh, Table Rock. And uh, we got all set up, and, and uh, we knew that some weather was coming in. But uh, being the male, root, root, I said, honey, it's going to be all right going to be all right. We go, are you sure, babe? I said, oh, yeah, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. So we set, we pitched tent, and we enjoyed the afternoon, and as the evening uh, came to an end, the clouds started rolling in, and we started hearing the thunder. Then came the lightning. Then came the rain, and it rained, and it rained. And more rain came. And so I'm lying in this tent, and the kids are there asleep, and my wife, she's, Kristen, she's next to me, and she's like, honey, you don't think the rain's going to come in? You don't think the, oh, babe, it's going to be all right. We're going to be good. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm saying, Lord, (laughs) I'm leaning on you tonight, because if this rain comes in this tent, you're not going to be in trouble. I am. And so as the rain began to pour and I saw a drip and I saw a drip, and Kristen said, honey, you think we ought to move? We ought to, I said, no, babe, we're going to be just fine. Go to sleep. And that's all she needed to hear. She needed to make sure that I was fully confident that everything was going to be all right. And when she got the signal, When she got the sign that, hey, he's got it, the tent was rattling because she was snoring. (laughs) She was out, Jack. She was confident that everything was going to be all right. Needless to say, I didn't get very much sleep that night because every time it dripped, I woke up and I'm looking at this tent and I'm like, okay, Lord, hold out. And I mean, it poured, y'all. It poured. 
but the water never came in and saturated us. And so you husbands, you fathers, your children are looking to you. Your wife, they're looking to you. Your friends are looking to you. And you have a significant role to play in this thing called life. And so you have to, with everything in you, defy the urge to quit, to not bow down, to not give in. Men have been fighting this fight for over decades. Read your Bible. Look into it. Men have been fighting this battle for years. Men have been fighting this war for years. Why? Because God has called men to become kings. God has called men to become warriors. God has called men to become land possessors and owners. God has called men to perform these great roles in this life, but he knew that we would not be able to do it alone. We needed a source. We needed someone that would be able to uphold us in those times of trials and tribulation. Jesus is that source that keeps you going to sustain you, to strengthen you, to guide you, and to lift you up. I want to briefly tell you about a story about a man that I saw or read about in scriptures, if you could go to that scripture for me. And it's out of 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to prove to you that, men, you're not alone when you go through hard times in your life. Men, you're not alone when you feel despondent when you feel like you just can't go on. And I love this story, and as I was reading it, it took me a while because every time I read it, I, I just found myself in tears. I found myself just saying, Lord, how mighty are you that you are a good, good father, that you would never leave me or forsake me. And here was Elijah. Now, I want you to picture this. If you haven't heard the story, Elijah, a mighty man of God. Elijah on the top of this mountain with 400 prophets of Baal. Baal was a false, prophet, a false prophet. And so here, Elijah kills all of these mighty these men. And now he comes down off of this mountain. Now, I need you to get this. 400 men, one man, killed them all. That had to be kung fu at its best. Huh? Can you imagine? One man, and so he kills all of the, the false prophets. He comes down off of the mountain, and in an instant, he finds himself in a situation. He finds himself, he finds his life being threatened by this queen called Bathsheba. Not Bathsheba. Um, what's her name, y'all? Jezebel. Thank you. And so here, Elijah comes down off of the mountain. Jezebel threatens his life. And now he decides that he just performed a great task on the mountain. He comes down off of the mountain and his life is threatened and he decides to run and hide. He decides to tuck tail and run. In the sight of danger, in the sight of turmoil, in the sight of anguish, he decides to tuck tail and leave and run. 
And I love this story because it, go on, go, it goes on to say that while he was contemplating this situation, verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, and he sat down under the solitary broom tree, and he prayed, listen to this, that, God, that he might die. I've had enough, the Lord. Uh, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now listen to what he said. He said, Lord, go ahead and take me. I, 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 listen, I've just lost my confidence. I've lost who I was. I've lost my bearings. I've forgotten that I'm a mighty man of God. I've forgotten that I'm God called. I've forgotten that you have been my rear God and my fore God. I've forgotten the fact that you have strengthened me in every area of my life. I have forgotten. How many times have we found ourselves in this area in our lives where we have forgotten who we are? We have forgotten that God has set us apart. We have forgotten that the Lord is on our side. We have forgotten that the creator of the heavens and the earth is with us. And so for an instant, Elijah finds himself forgetting who he was. Now, I want you to see how the enemy plays the trick on our minds. Because it was all in his mind. It wasn't a fact. The enemy will come and he will take and shine a light right on top of the very thing that we're afraid of, that bothers us, that hinders us. And so here Satan was shining a light on Elijah's self-confidence. Now you say to yourself, how can a man of his stature struggle with self-confidence? And he just came off the mountain killing 400 men. The same way Satan used devices in the garden with Adam. Because Adam forgot who he was. He forgot that God had set him apart. He had forgotten that he was a king's kid. He had forgotten. who he was. And so here Elijah forgets who he is in God. But I love this next verse. I love this next verse. Men, I want you to catch this. It says, when he laid down and he slept under the broom tree, as he was sleeping, see, even when you're lying down, even when you're unaware of, of, of what's going on, even when, even when things seem so chaotic uh, around you and, and your spirit man is sleeping, even when you're, you're lying down in, in, in anguish and, and you feel like you've been defeated, even when you feel like you don't even know uh, the direction to go, God is already working it out for you. Come on, somebody. He is working it out for you even as you sleep because the scripture says that while Elijah was down sleeping, something took place. It said that an angel touched him and said, get up. Men, turn to your neighbor. Ladies, turn to your neighbor and say, get up. 
See, you need to understand that we are in a day and time where it's not time to lay down. Listen, every time you turn on the news, there's killing, there is destruction, there is mayhem. There's all these things going on. Now is not the time to lay down. Now is not the time to tuck tail. Now is not the time to say, you know, Lord, I'm going to keep silent on the matter. If there's ever been a time in our lives as believers, it is now. It is now for you to begin to open up your mouth and begin to, and to begin declare the words of the Lord. Now is the time. If there's ever a time, it's now. So while you're sleeping, while you're down, while you're not understanding what's going on, God is already working it out. Because he's got something greater. He's got something more mightier than you could ever grasp, understand, or even fathom. Working it out. And so here, while Elijah was down sleeping, after he said, Lord, kill me. I don't want to go on any further. God says, listen, I'm going to send you some help. I'm going to send you some strength. Some supernatural strength. One that you can't just muster up on your own. One that you just can't call out when you need it. One that you just can't just, just stir it up. But there's, there's going to be some strength that comes for you, from you that's, from, that's natural from on a high. And so here Elijah is lounge sleeping. In verse 8, the scripture says, so he got up. And he drank, and he had enough food for him to travel for 40 days and for 40 nights. Now, the journey didn't come without excuses. The journey didn't come without its criticism. Now, I understand that things happen in our lives. I understand that things take place. And if you want to find the biggest critic in the world, the biggest complainer, here I am. Here I am. But God already knew. And God already knows where you are. God already knows the hardship that you're facing. God already knows your turmoil. God already knows your downfalls. God already knows the things that trip you up. God already knows. But yet... God sends you help. So when he says that I will never leave you nor forsake you in your most trying times, you can bank on his word. You can stand on his word. When you are facing your greatest test, he's there. When you're at your weakest, he's there. When you feel like dying, he's there. When you feel like walking away, he's there. When you feel undeserving, he's there. Look to your neighbor and say, he's there. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there.
So men, fathers, don't you quit. Don't you bow down. Don't you bend. But stand up and know that the Lord is on your side. Know that the Lord is on your side. Know that the Lord is on your side. I, I need to say that again because I don't think you're grasping that. Know that the Lord is on your side. When he says that no weapon formed against you that would prosper, he's on your side. He says when the enemy comes in like a flood, he's on your side. When he says that when the, there's trouble that's all around you, he is the strong tower that you can run into, he's on your side. Come on, give the Lord one more happy hand clap of praise. <laughs> know that the Lord is on your side. Know that there's no weapon formed against you. Know that, listen, when hard times come, when, when sleepless nights arise, God is already working it out for you. He is already, listen, even, even in his word, he says, why are you worrying? In John, he says, why, why are you worrying about this situation? Your worrying can't add to or, or, or even fix the situation. It can't add to a cubic one inch to what's going on. He says, so why are you worrying about it? He says, if I have the, uh, the availability and the power to feed the fowls in the air and to take care of them and they don't have to worry about where they sleep and where they nest. He says, even the lilies in the field, he says, I'll cover them and keep them. He says, how much more are you that I can't keep you? How much more are you that I can't provide for you? How much more am I that I can't provide every need? How much more? I remember this one last story. And I'm going to wrap this up. And I'll never forget it. Many years ago, I was here in Greenville. And I was at my lowest. One of the times I was at my lowest. I was like Elijah a lot of times. But I, I felt so alone. And felt like my world was falling apart. I contemplated suicide on many occasions. I just didn't want to live anymore. I'm just being real. I resorted to drinking heavily. Because I was done with this life. My father had passed when I was 19. So I carried a lot of anger and hate in my heart because I felt like life was unfair to me. I felt that I didn't have a father with me to help guide and to help teach me the essence of life. So I found myself in a lot of precarious situations that I blamed him for and he wasn't even there. And I kept saying, I said, Lord, had my father been here, I probably wouldn't have gone down this road. Had my father been here, this probably wouldn't have happened. And so I carried a lot of hatred in my heart. Not just for my father, but for the Lord as well. And it was on that day that it became the heaviest for me. 
that I went up to Caesar's head, and many of you probably know about where it is. And I went there, and I got out of my vehicle, and I walked to the particular area on the mountain on this bald rock. And it's called bald rock for a reason because it's a big, huge bald rock. And I got to the place where I was standing and I was looking over the edge. And something caught my attention out of the corner of my eyes. And as I looked to my left, there was a tree, probably maybe about 15 feet, 10 feet tall, 15 feet at the most. And it had a bunch of greenery around the bottom. And this tree looked so beautiful and so flourish. And I'm looking at this tree. And the first thing that came to my mind was how in the world is this tree growing in the middle of this rock? Now, I'm not a scientist or a rockologist or whatever you want to call it. But that blew my mind. How in the world was this tree growing in the middle of this rock? I mean, it was flourishing. And let me tell you something. If you don't think that God knows how to speak to you in a moment in time in your life when you are the most desperate... I'm a living witness because if I had ever heard the Holy Spirit speak that day and he said to me, if I can cause a tree to grow in the middle of a rock, how much more am I that I can't do all things? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He said, how much more am I that I can't do all things? He says, that tree doesn't have a thing to worry about. I feed it, I cover it. Now this thing is way up on a mountain. You know it gets hot up there. It's right next to the sun. It wasn't scorched. It wasn't, it was, the needles wasn't falling off of it, brother. It was just as beautiful as you could just, just imagine. And he says, if I can do that, what else can I do? Changed my life forever. Changed my life forever. I want to share this acronym with you, fathers. F. F is for stay faithful and fearless. A. Always look to the hills from where your help comes from. T, continue to tell your story to your fellow man because you have no idea who needs to hear your testimony. H, hang in there until your change comes. It's not going to be raining always. There's going to be some sunshine mixed in with your turmoil. So don't quit. Hang in there. E, embrace 
your place in the kingdom. God knew what he was doing when he called you. He knew what he was doing when he separated you under himself. He knew what he was doing when he planted you inside the family that you have. He knew what he was doing when he gave you the children that you have. He knew what he was doing. He didn't make a mistake. So hang in there. Embrace your place in the kingdom. You are the child of the king. Come on. And are resists the urge to quit. Because my Bible tells me that when you resist the devil and flee from him, in that moment, God begins to draw closer to you as you're drawing closer to him. I had a young man ask me years ago, he says, Pastor, how can I grow closer to, to the Lord? Stand to your feet. He said, Pastor, how, how can I grow closer to the Lord? He's a dear brother of mine. And I said, Brother, I have found in these 40-some years of my life that the way to draw closer is with every simple act of obedience. Men catch that. Ladies catch that. Children catch that. You want to draw closer to the Lord? It's with every simple act of obedience. When God tells you to do, you do. When he tells you to speak, you speak. When he tells you to give, you give. Because you're doing it all unto him. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you today. We thank you for every father in the house this morning, God. We thank you the fact that you are the good, good father that when we didn't see ourselves as winners, you saw it. When we didn't see ourselves as overcomers, you saw it. When we saw ourselves as weakened individuals, you didn't see that. When we thought of ourselves less than, you didn't agree with it. When, Lord, you, when we said to ourselves, we just can't go on, you said, but within me, you can. God, we thank you this morning for giving us supernatural strength. We thank you for allowing us to be the fathers that you have embedded us to be. We thank you for the challenges that have yet to come, but yet you said that in you, you have made a way out of no way. God, we thank you for every father in the house that have sacrificed and that will sacrifice their lives for their children, for their family, for their wives, for their friends. Fatherhood doesn't come without a cost. It doesn't come without a price. Lord, you being the father of us, Lord, you being our present help in a time of need didn't come without a price. It didn't come without you laying down your life for us. It didn't come without you paying the ultimate price 
so that we might have life. So this morning, Lord, if there's anyone in the house this morning, right where you're standing, that is willing to say, here I am, here I am Lord, send me. If you're willing to stay in the fight and continue on, just raise your hand all across the room. All across the room, thank you for the hands. All across the room. God, we're declaring and we're decreeing today that the good work that you have begun on the inside of us, you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God, that you have a purpose and a plan for us. You can put your hands down. God, you have a purpose and a plan for us. And we will not deny the calling in our lives. We will not deny, God, the things that you have embedded in us. God, we will not tuck tail and run. God, we will not bow. We will not bend to the circumstances and the situations that are before us. But we're going to look to you, God, our present help in a time of need. We're going to look to you.